when you have great coaches, then after you have great coaches, you get great players. You have a great organization, and you tell them one thing. Just win, David. listening to just pod baby a las vegas raiders podcast brought to you by silver and black today.com and now your host evan grote and let's go raider nation i am your host evan grote i'm glad to have you with me on this new episode of just pod baby the 2020 week one episode of just pod baby that's right it's finally here seemed like an eternity to get here think back where we were in march Okay, with the country completely shut down, many of us were unsure if the 2020 season would even happen. Uh, It was an off-season like we had never seen before. We had a virtual NFL draft, virtual off-season programs, no mini-camps. The entire preseason was wiped out. There were no preseason games to analyze and, and observe. But guess what? None of that matters now because... On Sunday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, the Raiders and the Panthers will be kicking off the 2020 season, and I'm excited for it. As always, Just Pod Baby is brought to you by Silver and Black Today, Las Vegas' only independent Raiders news source. Make sure you are checking out the website daily for the latest news. We brought in a couple of talented new writers this week, so things are starting to grow on the editorial side of things at Silver and Black Today. Uh, We will have it all covered for you all season long, and uh, you know whether it's through the online site whether it's through the radio show with Scott and Q or here uh, on the podcast with me, make sure you are following us on all the formats. I've got a busy show planned for you this week, as usual. At the top, I want to get into some of the news and notes from the week. Also, uh, I'm going to take a look at the injury report as we head into Sunday's game, and I'll give you my three keys to the game for the Raiders. Later in the episode, we'll be joined by our guest this week, that is Panthers beat writer Joe Person from the Athletic Carolina. Joe and I will preview Sunday's matchup between the Raiders and Panthers. You don't want to miss that. We're going to try to get you a full scouting report uh, on what you can expect to see from the Panthers on Sunday. I do have an, an announcement that I want to share with you guys in regards to the podcast. If you heard me today on my weekly spot with Scott and Q on Silver and Black Today, I made the announcement there. But starting next week, Just Pod Baby will be adding a second weekly episode. So I'm really excited about that. In addition to the, the normal episode that drops Friday mornings, uh, I will be recording a uh, an additional episode each week starting uh, on, well, Monday nights is when I'll be recording, and they will be available for you to download on, on Tuesday morning. So we'll be recapping the week's game. I will give you my reaction. We will have audio to dissect with Coach Gruden's Monday afternoon press conference as well as his, his post-game comments. So we're going to be breaking it all down. I will be joined each week with my co-host, Mo Moten. Uh, everybody loves Mo, so I'm glad to have him on. On board all season long with me. As I said, those recordings will take place Monday nights. It will be available for you on Tuesday mornings. Uh, one quick reminder though, week two, the Raiders play on Monday night. So obviously I won't be recording during the game. I'll push the recording to Tuesday night available for you to download on Wednesday morning. So make sure you're tuning in to the two weekly episodes of, of Just Pod Baby uh, all throughout the season. And before we get into it, I do have one more quick word from our sponsors at Manscaped. Guys, I think we can all agree 2020 has been a real kick to the balls. That's why I recommend you start pampering your pouch with Manscaped. 
Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. The Manscaped engineering team spent 18 months perfecting the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created and just released the new and improved Lawnmower 3.0. Their third generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to advanced skin safe technology pioneered by Manscaped. When I tell you this is premium, I mean premium. The battery will last up to 90 minutes so you can take a longer shave. The waterproof technology allows you to groom in the shower. One of the coolest features, though, is the LED light, which illuminates grooming areas for a closer and more precise trimming. They've also upgraded to a 7,000 RPM motor with quiet stroke technology. And let's not forget about the charging stand. Show your mower off loud and proud because this intelligently designed stand is a convenient charging dock powered by USB. If you are listening to me right now, I want you to experience it firsthand for yourself. Trim that junk of yours. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code PODBABY at manscaped.com. Trust me, your balls will thank you. Okay, we got all of our announcements out of the way, so now we can begin with some news from this week. The initial 53-man roster was released on Saturday of last week, and I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time with it. It's rather old news at this point, but there was a couple things that I do want to mention. There were not many surprises beyond defensive lineman Kendall Vickers making the team. I can't think of anyone who had this guy penciled into their projected 53-man roster, and if you did, I commend you. Sam Young uh, was was another surprise, if you ask me. He was a guy who everything we were hearing being reported out of camp was that he looked very good. He took all of Trent Brown or most of Trent Brown's reps in in Trent Brown's absence. Um, But initially, Young did not make the team. He was put on the practice squad, but uh, was eventually called up to the active roster when Marcus Mariota was put on the IR this week. More about that in just a second. Javen White, who many of us believed was a candidate for the practice squad once the trade for Raekwon McMillan was brought in. That indeed did happen. White goes to the practice squad and he'll continue to develop and and maybe later in the season we'll we'll see him up uh, on the active roster. And then, of course, the big move with the roster from last week was the trade of Lynn Bowden Jr. And at this point, I'm sure, you know, you've kind of moved on from that, you know, as I have, but because that news dropped on Friday of last week, I didn't really have a chance to talk about it with you guys. So I just want to give you some quick thoughts on the trade. Look, there's no way around it. It was a botched pick um, by um, Mayock and Gruden. Uh, I, I still kind of, I'm still kind of scratching my head about it. It's just a bad look right now. Hopefully, it's something that obviously Mac will overcome this. If you have Ruggs, uh, Edwards, and and Arnett come in and contribute, and you know, I think everyone forgets about the loss of Bowden, but still, it, at at this point, it's not a great look. Um, I read Vic's report. I I've heard what Scott had to say about. Uh, Bowden's relationship with maybe some of his teammates, some of the locker room stuff that was going on. I heard what Mayock had to say about the situation. It seems like there is some conflicting information that is out there. Mayock claims it was 100% a football move, but we are hearing from people who are close to the situation that uh, maybe there was an issue with his desire, you know, his want to, his his relationship with teammates. And, and what my belief is is that as is the case many times with these types of situations, I'm sure the truth lies somewhere in the middle. Now, my feelings are that if it was all about um, 
him not being able to make the transition to running back, then why not just put him on the practice squad? Give him a little extra time to develop and, and learn the position. Or maybe let him move back to his natural position as wide receiver. It just doesn't make sense to me that you drafted a guy who you knew going into this process had a difficult task in front of him. Changing positions is hard in any season, especially this year with no offseason, no mini camps, no rookie OTAs, everything was done virtually, no preseason games, and then to give up on him after four weeks, it just didn't add up to me. And I don't want to, I don't want this to come off as if I'm saying uh, Bowden is a bad character guy or you know bad locker room guy. That's not what I'm getting at. I'm just, I'm just kind of taking what I've heard from from people who are close to the organization and just trying to put my two cents together. It just doesn't add up to me. But it is what it is. It's time to move on. It was a wasted pick. Again, as I said, if if guys like Rugs, Arnett. And, and Edwards work out, then I think nobody will even remember that they, they wasted that pick. Some other news this week on Tuesday, Corey Littleton restructured his contract to create a little bit of wiggle room for the Raiders cap space. $8 million was freed up. Now that move has a lot of people wondering, what are they planning to do with that money? You know, Do they have a guy they want to try to go out and bring it in? Bring in? Is this a sign that they're in the market for another running back, maybe a safety those are two positions that I think could use some use a little help. But who knows? It's 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 maybe it's possible as well that they just wanted to free up a little bit of money, give themselves a little breathing room, should they need to go out and, and add someone later in the season. So who knows? We'll keep an eye on that. And the last bit of news from the week, as I mentioned, um, Marcus Mariota was placed on IR. Now, geez, talk about a disaster start for a guy who you know, foolishly, some believed, and I have to admit, I, I might be one of those fools who, when he was signed, I thought he might push Carr a little bit. I could not have been more wrong, and I'm going to admit that right now. I never thought that he was going to take Carr's job, but I thought that he might be there to at least, you know, put a little pressure on Carr. That has not been the case. Uh, you know, Mariota was looking... He, to come into the Raiders, look to rejuvenate his career after he lost his starting job to Ryan Tannehill last year in Tennessee. Reports that we've received from from beat writers are that he had a terrible camp. He 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 was never a threat to Carr, and now the guy lands on IR with with what is being reported as a pectoral injury. So he'll be out for a while. That means Nathan Peterman now moves into the number two role behind Carr, and they did bring in Deshaun Kaiser. Uh, I don't even know if he was with a team during camp. He was brought in. He's now uh, on the practice squad as the emergency quarterback. Now, that move does make some sense when you consider the fact that he spent time uh, with the Raiders last year and is familiar with with Gruden's system. Okay, the next thing I want to get to here in this first segment, each week I'll be taking a look at the injury report. We're going to go over it for both teams. I do have the most updated version of the injury report as of Thursday here, Thursday evening. Uh, it looks like there are several players listed for the Raiders. Nothing to be overly concerned about. Um, Damon Arnett is was listed as limited today with the thumb injury, which we know is in a soft cast, but there's also a groin injury uh, listed here. So he is limited. That's a bit concerning, but he did practice, so not 
overly concerning. Uh, Richie Incognito was also, he did not participate in practice on Wednesday, and he was limited on Thursday with an Achilles injury. So that really worries me. That's, I mean, an offensive lineman, an older guy with a, a lower ankle injury, that is concerning to me. Um, but it does look like he practiced today. Keep an eye on it if he practices on Friday. That will be very telling. Um, other than that, there's really nothing of note. Uh, there's a couple other guys who are listed. Nelson Aguilar with a groin. He was full both Wednesday and Thursday. Trent Brown listed with a calf. He was limited on Wednesday, full go on Thursday. Malik Collins with a thigh, limited Wednesday, full go on Thursday. Brian Edwards listed with a knee injury. He was full on Wednesday and full on Thursday. Rodney Hudson. Oh, okay, this is a big one. I'm sorry, I must have overlooked this one. Rodney Hudson, not not injury-related, but did not participate on Wednesday. Nothing listed for him on Thursday. So it doesn't appear that there's an, that there's an injury. Uh, so, so hopefully he'll be good to go. Uh, on Sunday, Nicholas Morrow with a knee full, full Wednesday, Thursday, uh, and Foster Morrow listed with a knee. Uh, nothing listed for him on Wednesday, but was full go on Thursday. Uh, looking over at the Carolina Panthers week one injury report, nothing of note. They've got a bunch of guys listed, but everybody was was full go with the exception of cornerback Stanley Thomas Oliver, who I'm not quite sure who he is or how significant of a role that he has, but he was limited on Thursday's practice with a hamstring. And the only other notable player that did not participate was Dennis Daly. I think he might be their starting guard. I got to look into their roster a little bit more, but he's got an ankle injury, did not participate on Wednesday or Thursday. Other than that, Again, they've got a lot of people who are listed, but everybody was full go on Thursday. Those are the news and notes from the week, as well as the injury report as of Thursday night. We're going to take a quick break right now, and when I return, I will give you my three keys to the game versus the Carolina Panthers. Don't go anywhere. And welcome back to Just Pod Baby with Evan Grote. I don't know about you guys, but I I just can't be more excited for NFL football to be back this weekend. There's a game to talk about. No more talk about practice. No more talk about what ifs, all the different scenarios. It's going to be real live football action on Sunday, and I just can't wait for it. Uh, What we're going to do here is uh, a new feature that I'm going to do each week with you uh, as we preview the games. I'm going to give you what I feel are three keys to victory for the Raiders. So without further ado, here are my week one keys to the game for the Las Vegas Raiders. Key number one, can the Raiders rebuild defense, slow down Panthers running back Christian McCaffrey? We all know McCaffrey. He's an outstanding dual threat back, probably the number one dual threat back in the league. He was a first team all pro a year ago. He rushed for over 1,300 yards and caught a ridiculous 116 passes last year. That was a That is a NFL running back record for over 1,000 yards receiving to go along with 19 
total touchdowns. Those are video game stats right there, folks. And he is on my fantasy team, so I don't mind him putting up big numbers this year. But uh, honestly, I, I hope they can contain him. And, uh, you know, I'd like to see him do some things, but I don't want to see him wreck the game. Uh, we all know that the linebackers for the Raiders have been poor uh, for a, a number of years. They've been very bad in coverage. Corey Littleton was signed in free agency. He is a premier coverage linebacker. He will have his hands full with McCaffrey. I've got some numbers for you here that I want to share with you from Pro Football Focus. In four uh, seasons with the Rams, Littleton logged roughly over 1,200 coverage snaps, earning a coverage grade of 87.3. What I like about Littleton, he's got the speed to keep up with backs and tight ends. He moves well in space. He's got very good instincts where he can um, he can make plays on the ball, whether it's in zone defense or man defense. Um, in the last two seasons also, he has forced 18 PBUs and 6 INTs. He's a playmaker that the defense has not had in a long time. If Littleton and the rest of the Raiders defenders can contain McCaffrey and not allow him to run wild, especially in the passing game, the Raiders will have a very good chance of winning this game on Sunday. Key number two, how will the young secondary hold up in their first live action uh, against an underrated group of Panthers receivers? I think this Panthers group is is very good. They may not have pro bowlers, but the Panthers have wide receivers that are young. They're very fast. They got a lot of speed in the group. DJ Moore went over 1,000 yards last year, 87 catches. Curtis Samuel has legit 4-3 speed. And Robbie Anderson, he's one of the best deep threats in the league. Damon Arnett was going to make his first career start on Sunday. He's been sensational throughout camp, but things are going to get... They're going to get real for this youngster on Sunday. Trayvon Mullen will make his 10th career start. The Raiders will look to him to be their shutdown guy. And then you've got Jonathan Abram back in the safety position, who is essentially a rookie. He said so himself. He's going to be out there. He's going to make his second career start. So I'm very concerned about the inexperience in the secondary. There's going to be some growing pains along the way. We all know that. We're going to have to be patient. These kids are going to have to grow up quickly if the Raiders want to get a win in Week 1. And my third key to the game Can the Raiders take advantage of all the new pieces that are on that Panthers team? We have talked about it. We've talked about the lack of an offseason many times here in previous weeks, the lack of preseason, no preseason games at all. The teams that that hurts the most are teams who have had a large turnover on the roster, teams who are relying on rookie quarterbacks and younger players, teams with new starting quarterbacks, as well as new coaching staffs. Guess what? The Panthers check off all those boxes. Everywhere you look is a new face for the Panthers. Matt Rule, he made the jump to the pro game. He's going to be making his debut as a coach. His coordinators, offensive and both defensive coordinators, Joe Brady, he was part of that prolific offense at LSU a year ago. And Phil Snow comes in with Matt Rule from Baylor and Temple as well. Baylor wasn't exactly known for their great defenses, But Snow does have uh, 37 years of experience coaching at the collegiate level. He's been defensive coordinators for many years. Uh, Let's see what kind of impact they have on this game. Other new faces for the Carolina Panthers, quarterback Teddy Bridgewater. He was 5-0 last year filling in for Drew Brees with the Saints. He's a serviceable starter. I don't think he's a guy that's going to keep Paul Gunther up at night, You know, trying to come up with a game plan on how to stop him. He's a game manager, but he can beat you, okay? If he's got people around him, if he's got weapons around him, he's, he's proven that he can win games in this league. On the defensive side of the ball, the Panthers, they've added four, um, possibly five new starters through the draft alone on defense. 
Gruden and Carr must take advantage of those young defenders on defense. Um, and I'm hoping that's what the, 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 the Raiders offense will look to do is really to to test those young guys, especially that young corner, uh, Troy Pride, and, and see what he can do. Those are my three keys to the game. The rookies and the new players on both teams are going to play a big role and have a huge impact on the outcome of this game. All right, we're going to keep things moving here in the second segment. Uh, I'm going to bring in my guest here, Joe Person from the Athletic Carolina, to preview this week's matchup with the Carolina Panthers. We go out to the phone lines now and bring in our guest this week, and that is Panthers beat writer Joe Person, who covers the team for the Athletic Carolina. Joe, thanks so much for joining me. How are you, and are you ready for some NFL football? (laughs) Absolutely, Evan. Yeah, just uh, sitting here... uh... Not sure if you're doing this live or not, but just watch the kickoff for Houston and, and Kansas City and fired up for uh, some Raiders and some Panthers this weekend. Yeah, we're not live, but I, I'm with you. I just, I'm watching the game right now as we speak. It's kind of hard to believe, really, when you look back on what the country's gone through over the last few months, being in a complete shutdown and not knowing whether football or would happen or not. So it's just, it's, it's, I'm glad it's finally here and I'm, I'm glad it's all going to take place on Sunday with the Raiders and the Panthers. Now I was reading some of your work on the athletic and I came across your Panthers preview, what to expect in 2020 piece. So I want to kind of begin there. I want to start with all the new faces that are in Carolina, starting with the coaching staff, Matt rule, Obviously, is the new head coach. He brings in two new coordinators in Joe Brady and, and Phil Snow. Uh, he's got a new starting quarterback in Teddy Bridgewater, a new starting left tackle, Russell Okung, and a whole bunch of rookies that uh, may be starting on defense. Coming off the type of offseason, I just talked about it, you know, in the midst of a, a pandemic, uh, zero preseason games, no OTAs, rookie OTAs, rookie mini camps, none of that. Do you expect that the Panthers are going to take a little bit longer than, let's say, a team like the Raiders to gel because of all the new pieces? And how much of a role do you expect that to play in Sunday's game? Yeah, that's a great point and a good question. You you talked about it. I mean, they had, from, from their 53-man roster this time a year ago to now, 30 new guys out, out of the 53. That's a, that's a turnover rate of like 58%. No team has had that kind of turnover this year. Uh, they had a couple of holdovers on the coaching staff, but you know, 95% of those guys were new. And so it just, you know, Matt rule had, it had, had a lot stacked against him. I mean, at, you know, every team of course is, it was going to be affected by not having OTAs and mini camps uh, and no preseason games, but you can imagine that a, a new coach, not only a new coach, but a guy who had been a college coach uh, throughout his career, uh, the, just, just the sort of obstacles he faces. The one thing I'll say, I've been impressed that Matt Rule has not used that as an excuse. Uh, you know, he's just said this is kind of the cards we've been dealt, and, you know, we're, we're going to do the best we can. But a- absolutely, I, I would think the Raiders, just from that, let alone, you know, leaving alone the matchups and the X's and O's for a minute, but just on the point you made that a, a kind of a, a more veteran team with a returning coach and John Gruden, they should, they should be a lot more ready than the Panthers uh, when, when they kick it off Sunday in Charlotte. I want to stay on the topic of the, of the new coaching staff. I want to talk about those coordinators a little bit. Joe Brady, 
Uh, we know a little bit about him. He was the passing game coordinator for that prolific LSU offense in 2019. He does have a couple years of NFL experience under his belt as an offensive assistant with the Saints. Because this is his first job, though, as as the the main man calling the offense, it's kind of it's hard to really get a gauge on the style of offense that he's going to uh, use with the Panthers. But based on what you have been seeing and hearing in camp, what can Raider fans expect to see from this Panthers offense? Well, it's going to obviously have a, a heavy Saints influence for for the reason you just mentioned, Evan. That you know he had a couple. Joe Brady had a couple formative years uh, uh, as a low-level offensive assistant on Sean Payton's staff. Those two years coincided with Teddy Bridgewater, or at least one of those years, I should say, coincided with Teddy Bridgewater being the Saints' backup quarterback. I don't think it's any uh, any coincidence that that Brady and Bridgewater together again. I think that 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 was Teddy Bridgewater with Joe Brady's hand picks. Uh, quarterback and of course it's a franchise moving on from cam newton but uh you know i thought i thought john gruden said it best this week in a a conference call we we had with with john and that's like (laughs) they're looking at saints tape they're looking at lsu tape you know they're the the raiders are getting trying to get their hands around everything because obviously they didn't have the preseason film to use as a guide but it's going to be fast tempo a lot of you know a lot of uh, empty backfield sets where you got five receivers in the route, and uh, but 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 clearly when you have a weapon like Christian McCaffrey, they're going to be running the ball as well. Yeah, I did I did pick up McCaffrey uh, with the number one pick on my fantasy team, so <laughs> I wouldn't mind <laughs> nice. seeing him have nice. another year like he did last year. But uh, right, I, I right. do want to uh, talk a little bit about Phil Snow, the defensive coordinator. He comes over to Carolina with Matt Rule from Baylor, and I believe they spent some time together at Temple as well. Now, now Snow has a long resume of experience calling defenses at the college level. Um, and I know they're going to be going to a, a base 4-3 defense. Do you have any concern that, that Snow comes to the NFL from a school like Baylor? You know, they played in the Big 12, and they weren't exactly known for great defenses there over the years. <laughs> How do you think Snow's style of defense will translate to the NFL? Yeah, it's, it's absolutely. That That's kind of the million-dollar question here in Charlotte because I think offensively they, they're – going to you know at, at least be um capable uh, you know they've I mentioned McCaffrey and Bridgewater but but they, they've got a lot of weapons on offense defense is where the, the the question marks are especially in the secondary and and you're right I mean the big 12 was uh it was I'm not sure you want to be lining up a bunch of defensive coaches from a big 12 team but that's what Matt Rule did he he these are guys he's comfortable with at Baylor, and he brought them along with him, including Phil Snow. Uh, I I kind of like their front seven. They they they've got Kwan Short, their defensive tackle, coming back from injury, uh, missed last year with a show after shoulder surgery. They pair him with their first round pick out of Auburn, Derek Brown. Those guys in the middle of that four three, I think I think that's a pretty good starting point. Clearly, they're going to miss uh, Luke Keekley dearly in that linebacker core. But Shaq Thompson's a guy, uh, first-round pick a few years ago. They, they, they paid a lot of money to last year. They really need him to take the next step up in his career and, and become a Pro Bowl-type player. Uh, but, but as I said, 
The secondary is where you, if you're a Panther fan, you got to be a little worried because they've got cor- they've got young corners. They're going to probably st- start a rookie from Notre Dame, Troy Pride Jr. Um, they've got uh, on the other side, they've got Dante Jackson, who's been undersized and kind of hit or miss during his first couple of years in the NFL. So that that's a bad proposition in a pass first league. Uh, and and I, I think uh, John Gruden and uh, Derek Carr and Henry Ruggs and, and that whole crew are going to do everything they can to exploit that. We are joined by Joe Person, uh, Carolina Panthers beat writer for the Athletic. All right, let, let's let's take a look at at this roster, this Panthers roster for a minute. So I want to start with the quarterback, uh, Teddy Bridgewater. You know, he we talked about the relationship that he has with, with had with Joe Brady in, in New Orleans. Um, how has Teddy looked in camp? He's looked solid. I mean, you know, the book on Bridgewater. And, and, and it was true last season as a, as a uh, backup. You know, he, you'll remember, he got in those games, started five games early in the season when Breeze uh, had, had injured his thumb, went 5-0. and oh. It was sort of a game manager type of deal. He wasn't flinging the ball all that far downfield. But he was very efficient, um, very, uh, I think, completed like 70% of his passes, with majority of which, as I said, were underneath and shorter routes. Uh, well, Christian McCaffrey caught a, a thousand receiving yards worth of uh, worth of passes last year, so he's going to be a good outlet for Teddy Bridgewater to have. But at some point, you got to take some shots downfield, and and that's that's where the, that that'll tell the tale on I think where Teddy Bridgewater is and can he be a franchise quarterback versus just as you know a, a bridge type of quarterback if you will between Cam Newton and whoever their next franchise quarterback might be of course the Panthers believe Bridgewater can do it but it's going to uh, it's it's going to play out here over 16 weeks uh, 17 weeks coming up you, you talked about taking taking chances downfield. That's one thing I want to talk about. I think the Panthers have a very underrated group of wide receivers. I really like DJ Moore. When you look at what he was able to do last season, I believe it was 87 catches for over 1,000 yards. He's a very good, young, uh, dynamic receiver. They bring in Robbie Anderson, who is one of the premier deep threats in, in the league. They brought him in through free agency. Uh, he was a guy who Raider fans are very familiar with because there was talks that he could be uh, traded to the Raiders last year at the deadline, so we know what he can do. And then you still have Curtis Samuel, who's he's got legit four three speed as well. Um, now, when you think about that, and you combine that with the fact that the Raiders have a very young secondary that they're going to be putting out there, do you think that that is an area where the Panthers could look to try to expose the Raiders? Yeah, maybe so. I mean, like I say, they they do have weapons in the passing game, and uh, I, I'm a I've been a big DJ Moore fan for a while. He took a big step in his career last year. You know, he's still as a first round pick, he still hasn't risen quite yet. Uh, and this is a tall bar, but in Charlotte, uh, the, 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 the barometer, the hurdle is Steve Smith. And, and, and as I said, I mean, that's a future hall of famer we're talking about, but, but DJ Moore is at least sort of, I don't know that he's ever going to be a Steve Smith, but at least he took a step in that direction last year. Uh, the other guys you mentioned, Robbie Anderson, 
he can blow the top. He's like a typical Raider type receiver, right? Like, you know, the that's Raiders why they were interested in him a, last year. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Such a great history of those down, down the field guys. And, uh, you know, a, a lot of it's going to, going to come back to what I said earlier. Can Teddy Bridgewater make those kind of throws one and two, can the offensive line protect? Cause those are slow developing plays to let those guys get downfield Panthers were terrible up front last year. They did go trade for Russell Okun. Um, they they brought in John Miller to play right guard. So they're very uh, they're hopeful that they're going to be a little bit better up front as a uh, offensive line. Yeah, and I, and I want to just a couple more questions for you here, Joe. Uh, you're doing a great job. I want to kind of focus on the defense here, and you, and you touched on the defense a little bit. Some of the areas that you like about the defense, and some of the areas that you're concerned about. They gave up a ton of points last year. I believe it was just under 30 points a game, which ranked them 31st in the league. And I believe the expectations are they're not going to be very good again this year. There's going to be some young guys uh, getting a lot of playing time up. uh, I believe four new starters on the defense. Could you tell us a little bit about some of those rookies that might be starting for the Panthers on Sunday? Yeah, well, it's at every level. I mean, it, it, back in the in, in the secondary, I, I mentioned Troy Pride Jr., the Notre Dame corner. But I'll tell you the guy in the back back end I do like is um, uh, Jeremy Chin. This guy, uh, he, he's sort of like uh, uh, the Isaiah Simmons type player, positionless football. Uh, uh, whereas whereas the Panthers and a lot of people thought the Panthers might draft Isaiah Simmons in the first round, but they were able to get. Uh, they were able to get Jeremy Chin late in the second round. Um, he was a guy that went to Southern Illinois, played, you know, one, what used to be called one double a football and uh, just a big six foot three, 210 pound safety who, who's so big and physical that I think he's going to get some work in the box too. Like uh, maybe some outside linebacker in their, in their nickel package. So I, I like him a lot. And then uh, I mentioned Derek Brown up front. The other guy up front you haven't, in terms of rookies, that hasn't kind of flown under the radar here in Charlotte and, and certainly nationally, second-round pick out of Penn State, uh, an edge rusher named Eter Gross-Matos. And uh, Gross-Matos has a big frame. You know, there was some concern he was a little lean, but but he's, he's I think, thicker than a lot of people, a lot of the, the draft experts thought. So all four of those guys I expect to be in the starting lineup on Sunday, which is pretty incredible. I mean, they, they, first of all, they made history by drafting all seven defensive players back in April. And now four of them are going to be on the field uh, from the opening Raiders offensive series uh, in week one. Yeah, a little bit about uh, Jeremy Chin as well. I, I can't say that I've, I, I've seen him play much, but I, I'm a big fan of the NFL dra- draft, and, and you know I followed the NFL Combine. Go take a look. Those of you who are listening out there, go take a look at Jeremy Chin and what he did at the Combine last year. He was one of the – he put out freak numbers. I remember he uh, he really put on a show at the Combine. So I, I was pretty well aware of him uh, uh, during the draft season after he uh, competed in the, in the Combine. Uh, last thing I have for you, Joe, if you don't mind, I'd like to have you give us your prediction for the game and, and tell us a little bit as to why you feel that way. Yeah, well, I'm picking a Raiders to win. Uh, it's funny, I'm, I'm about to do my own preview for the athletics. I hadn't come on a number yet, but I, 
I, I mean, I think the Raiders are going to win by a couple touchdowns, frankly. Um, I just, uh, for all the reasons I mentioned, I, I just think, you know, I, I, I know the Raiders are going to try to establish a running game behind Jacobs too. That, that to me, if the, if the Panthers can be better against the run and, and it's going to be hard for them to be worse because they were dead last last year stopping the run. If they can at least put Derek Carr and that offense into some third and long, then you give your edge rushers a chance. That, you know that, that could, because a pass rush can cover up some of the warts in the secondary that the that the and youth that the Panthers have. Uh, but but if 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 Gruden has a you know a lot of pretty manageable down and distances, then he can kind of negate any kind of pass rush for the Panthers. Ultimately, I just I just think that the, the Panthers' defense is not going to do. I think, think McCaffrey, you know, McCaffrey keeps them in the game for a while, but I think ultimately the Raiders win. Like I said, by a couple touchdowns. All right, there you have it. That is the Athletic Carolina Joel Person, uh, beat writer for the Panthers. And uh, Joe, I want to thank you for giving us so much of your time tonight, and uh, I appreciate you coming on. Enjoy the game on Sunday. Evan, thanks for having me on, man, and uh, enjoy the season. And welcome back to Just Pod Baby. Real quick, I want to give you my final thoughts and and then give you my win-loss prediction for the 2020 season before we say goodbye. Uh, again, I want to thank our guest, Joe Person of the Athletic Charlotte. He came on and gave us a very good, detailed scouting report on the Panthers. So you should be all set to go now for Sunday's game. All right, so I've been seeing a lot of people give their win-loss predictions for the Raiders I put some thought into it this week. I've taken a hard look at the schedule. Look, it's very difficult to try to predict these these records. It's almost impossible, really. Uh, it's a week-to-week league more than any sport out there. You never know when or who injuries will occur to. Uh, but I, I've been waffling back and forth all week between 8-8 eight and eight and 9-7. and seven. I've, some, I've seen some people predict them to have a very poor season, like 5-11. and 11. But then I've seen some people predicting them to win as many as 11 games. So they seem to be kind of all over the board when it comes to predicting how many games the Raiders uh, will win. Look, there's a couple games on the schedule that I think could go either way when you think about the games with uh, Buffalo. I think that's going to be a very tough matchup, but I think it's a game they could win. I think the matchup in Cleveland is another game that right now, for me, it's very hard to kind of predict who, who could win that game. Uh, so those those are two games right there. Uh, but but at the end of the day, I think I've settled in on the number of, of nine wins for the Raiders. Nine and seven for the Raiders in 2020. Will nine wins be enough to get them into the playoffs? I'm not sure about that right now. Even with the addition of a third wildcard team in each conference, it could be very hard to sneak in with only nine wins. So we'll just have to wait and see how it all shakes out. Okay, guys, you know what that means. Another episode in the books. Make sure you're on the lookout for my week one recap episode with Mo Moten, which will be available for download on Tuesday morning. Hope everyone enjoys the game on Sunday. Let's hope the Raiders come out victorious in week one to get this season started off to a good note. And as always, just win, baby.